This week's podcast brought to you by Supine Santas. When I was in San Antonio uh, this past week for the Final Four, I was outside with Holly Rowe. Holly Rowe, um, fully vaccinated. She's 14 days um, since she had her last shot. And she saw a woman that she hadn't seen in a number of years, an older woman. And she walked over. Clearly, they were super excited to see one another. And Holly said to the woman, I'm vaccinated. And the woman said, so am I. And they had this big embrace. And it just made me think about what the world might look like it again someday when you see somebody you haven't seen in a long time and you are actually okay to give them a hug. I look forward to hugging you again soon. I'll let Rebecca finish chewing her combos and then we'll get this going. You know, it's actually funny is we were after the national championship game, we were sitting there and Holly was doing interviews and other things. And we had gone from being on ESPN one to ESPN two. She's doing stuff. So Ryan and I are just waiting for our next thing. And I take a big bite of a Rice Krispie treat because we hadn't had much to eat before the game. And I was really hungry. And all of a sudden Ryan comes on air and throws it to the Capital One player of the game and just looks at me. And I look back at him with a mouthful of Rice Krispie Treat. And he looks at me like, and he was saying to me later, like, nope, this one's on you, partner. So you hear this pause as I swallow just enough so that I can then talk about, I think it was Haley Jones. Anyway, after the fact, um, after the game, I mentioned that to some of the guys who had been working in the truck and they started laughing they said we knew there was something going on because that pause was so long so anyway did he then say capital one what's in your molars yeah. <laughs> no he didn't but um it, we normally do the capital one player of the game during the game and so and like i said i thought we were just waiting to do a sports center hit i didn't know that we were going to come on and so when he threw it to me literally like this just big bite of Rice Krispie was that Treat. An Andy Landers scent Rice Krispie Treat? No, no, but it is scented or scent. Um, it was uh, It was neither. <laughs> I, w- I would enjoy it if there were an Andy Landers scented Rice Krispie Treat. Yeah. Yes. You know what? Because he, you know. Because there's frequently a Rice Krispie Treat scented Andy Landers. <laughs> Doesn't he love those? Yes, yes, exactly. And but and normally we'll, we'll, we'll have those in studio during the regular season but he was not in bristol in the regular season and the cafeteria in bristol is completely different so they don't have rice krispie treats as one of the options anymore so um i could not this year enjoy a rice krispie treat with coach landers you once sent us a rice krispie treat actually that was maria taylor she sent it was the size of a car hood yeah it was enormous she sent one to me like i'm sure they must sell them at Costco or BJ's or wherever. She sent one to me and she sent one to Coach Landers It was as well. so big, it lasted like a day and a half around here. Right. Well, we have five miles that we're all enjoying it. And so we saw the championship game, the the, the final four. The What were you down there for the semi quarterfinals? When did you get down there? Sweet 16, Sweet 16 on. Yeah. How was your trip down there? <laughs> this is the first <laughs> time you traveled first time since I'd COVID-19, flown. the pandemic. Yes. So I took a flight, a, a later flight. I think my flight was supposed to leave at like six o'clock or something. And the reason I took that late flight, our, our freshman in high school had a basketball game. I couldn't attend, even though it was a home game, but I could watch um, the stream. So I, I took the flight after the stream. So I'm sitting there waiting for the for this. And by the way, you know, people in, um, in the boarding area, you know, with their masks down as they slowly ate. 
I had I was double masked. Um, anyway, watch this game, and then our, our flight, it's delayed. Delightful. So that's fine. I, I don't mind, because then I can watch the end of her game. We get on the plane, and we're flying. I'm flying to Atlanta. That's where my connection is. Were you wearing a, a cone of shame that we uh, talked no, about? No, we, we did not get the cone of shame. I, I was just wearing the two masks. And uh, and so not only are we delayed, but it looks like, all right, I'm still going to catch my flight. I'm going to have to sprint in Atlanta from, like, the A gates to the E gates or something. But I think I have a chance to make it. Then next thing you know, the pilot comes on and says, due to weather, um, we're just going to reroute and fly around for a while. So I look at my Delta app, and I've already been rebooked for the following morning. I'm going to be spending the night in Atlanta. And um, LaChina Robinson had intentionally gotten on my flight, the one I was connecting onto, so that we could fly together into San Antonio. So I look at my app. I've been re uh, put on the flight the next morning. So now I'm thinking, all right, I got to, whatever time I land in Atlanta, I've then got to get a hotel very little sleep, then fly to San Antonio. And then I knew the schedule for the next day. I was going to have to go right to the arena, had to change my COVID testing times because I was supposed to test in the morning, change those so I could test in the evening I after I've gone to the arena, they, blah, blah, blah. They have COVID testing at in the terminals in Atlanta, don't they, at the airport? I don't know, but I, I had to I do that. this specific one for ESPN so that I would be allowed to work, work the tournament once I got there. So... Anyway, we f we uh, I'm texting li with LaChina while I'm on the flight, and she said, our flight is delayed. I will do whatever I can talking to the gate agent on this flight so that I'll do whatever I can so that they don't leave you. So I, we land in Atlanta. So the, it, it, you can imagine the announcement on a full plane waiting to take off late at night for San Antonio from Atlanta. Right. We are just holding the plane up. We ordinarily don't do this, but it's... Rebecca Lowell. Yeah. Well, the, the the flight attendant on my plane said, he's like, usually if it's the last flight of the night, if there's a, a passenger or two, they will hold the plane for like 10 minutes because it's the last flight of the night. So but when we land, LaChina said, don't worry, we're still here. They haven't even started boring the flight. So I can exhale a little bit. Now it's like, okay, I'm in a good mental space. I don't have to spend the night in Atlanta. So I, I get to my next gate. LaChina's there. And we wait like two hours. So it is, I think, close to midnight by the time we get on the plane. But all the passengers are just thrilled that they don't have to spend the night in Atlanta. They're, they're all going back to San Antonio. Get on the plane. Fly to San Antonio. We landed in San Antonio at uh, 245. Who were your seatmates? Were you there weren't any. There weren't any. So there, um, I was upgraded to first class. So in first class, there's not a seat occupied next to you. And, and there's no middle seats occupied in coach. So LaChina and I, we land about 2.45 a.m. We wait for our bag. And the ESPN rules are you are not allowed to go in a ride share, so you can't Uber, you can't taxi. You are not even allowed to ride in um, a car with a colleague. You you're, have to you rent your own car. Oh, that's just funny. I thought you were required to jog from the airport. Yeah. <laughs> required to rent your own car. So we've landed at 2.45 we walk over to the rental car. It's it's one of those ones you can walk to. You don't have to take a shuttle. And there's a guy there, and he said, oh, the rental cars, are, they're all closed. All of them are closed. Um, they close at midnight or whatever. And we said, well, we have a reservation. You're here. Can we just pick up our cars? And he said, um, the computer went down. And as LaChina said to me later, the computer went down or you turned off the computer? 
So um, at one point when she said to him, when he was not being helpful at all, and she said to him, um, oh, because his next thing he said, that's okay. The um, the next people, that uh, they'll be here at 5 a.m. And sometimes they get here a little earlier than that. You'll be able to get your car then. And we said, well, you don't understand. Our problem isn't that we desperately need the car. Our problem is we need to get to the hotel. Like we need the car now. And so when LaChina said to him, um, well, can we have your business card so we know who helped us? And he walked away and just kept walking and kept going out of the distance. Um, he wasn't particularly helpful. So anyway, so I'm like, all right, we're, there's nothing we can do. We have to break the rules in some way. I'm going to get an Uber. So I looked to get an Uber. It's a 15-minute r- drive from the airport to our hotel. And it said the Uber is going to be because of... Um, uh, you know, high demand or whatever, lack of drivers on the road, $100. But you know what? Either I pay $100 to go to the hotel or um, we spend the night or the next two hours what, what, at the airport. What time is this? 2.45 a.m. Their time. So my body is telling me it's 3.45 a.m. So, of course, I'm like, oh, this is kind of a no-brainer, actually. I'm going to get this Uber. So I go to hit it. N- none available. So then LaChina calls a cab company. And uh, yes, we can get somebody there in an hour. <laughs> so then she calls another cab company. That one's going to be 45 minutes. I go on Uber again. This time there is a car available and it's 10 minutes away. It was big enough that it fit because LaChina and I both had big bags because we're going to be there for 10 days. Fits our bags. The driver um, did not really understand as he was Spanish speaking, um, but we were able to convey to him, can we at least put the windows down because he had the child lock on. So the China and I are sitting in the back seat, facing the window, breathing in and out the air that's blowing in. It was actually quite cool until we get um, to the hotel. That night, I crawled into the bed at four local five body clock time. But again, when you're when your perspective and your kind of the baseline is shifted, so I was still just so happy that I hadn't had to spend the night in the Atlanta airport that I was like, okay, at least I'm in a bed. It's four a.m. And then the next morning, got up, did our COVID testing. Well, that and morning. That yeah yeah. A few hours later, got up. We COVID tested, and um, then went to the arena to talk to or watch um, watch practices and talk to eight you different. Had- you had coaches f- and players. You had four 90-minute practices, you told me, and eight 30-minute Zooms when you hit the ground yes, that day after an hour of sleep. That's what it was. So, and so, you, so you were better rested than I was. Yeah, <laughs> I may have been. But it was um, – so that was the outgoing part. And then can I just go skip right to the return part? I think people tuning in for uh, the inside scoop on the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament um, will either be disappointed or – or uh, this will be just what they're looking for. Well, I'm I'm going to skip to the return, and then we'll go. Well, then we can dive into the the hoops. Okay, so the return flight. It's a 7 a.m. flight. I'm I'm in a car with Holly Rowe this time. We've both tested negative. Or the ESPN rules now we can we don't have to worry as much leaving the event to go to the airport. 7 because your service is no longer required. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, you can take a Greyhound back. As far as <laughs> right. 7 a.m. I go to check into my flight. Going through Atlanta again, arriving in Hartford. I was going to get in at 3 in the afternoon. Excited to see all of you guys. And uh, I go to check in for my flight. And I'm wondering, why can't I check in? Well, then I realized on this Monday morning, the reason I can't check in is because my return flight had been booked for Wednesday morning. 
I did not book my flight. I spoke on the phone to an agent who booked my flight. And then I didn't look to make sure that she had booked the correct return date. So at this point, I'm, I'm a little bit frazzled. It's like 540 in the morning. I call our travel department. I'm on hold for a while. And then a woman comes back on and said, um, there's one seat left on this flight, but my computer's frozen. So my suggestion is that you call Delta. Was so it the same computer as the rental car counter, do you think? <laughs> Perhaps. You, not asked the same for her, you asked for her business card. No, yeah. and you just heard tires squealing. So as, as she's finishing talking to me, Holly just says, hang up the phone. We're, wait, we're losing time. There's one ticket left. So I hang up the phone. Holly calls because she's got so much status on Delta from flying ridiculous amounts of miles every year. And it's true. There's one ticket left, but it's available. So the woman just said, you know, it's going to be this change fee. I said, that yes, it will, and I'm gladly going to pay it. And I got that last seat on the flight. And it was a legit last seat because um, I guess there had been a bunch of cancellations on Easter Sunday due to weather. And so just on Monday, at least Delta claimed, they were, you know, ignoring their rule of leading the, leaving the middle seat open and whatever they were going to um, allow the planes at full capacity so that they could get people home who had been stranded the day before. So I got the last seat to as get you, me As home. you shouted down the phone, give me a ticket for an aeroplane. Yeah. <laughs> ain't got time to take a passenger. I like to embed an obscure, well, not obscure pop music lyric in yes. the uh, podcast for those who are looking for those Easter eggs at this time of year. Um, well, so you were on the so road back. for 11 days. Yes. Four of which were school days for the kids, seven of which were not. And is it easier? Uh, I guess it's it's harder, right, when it's a not school day, because then they're here. Or is it easier because there's less driving to do when there's just one of us home? Well, what do you think? I'm thinking it's a lot easier when they're in school. Yeah, than that, when they're not. That, really? <laughs> yes. That's just just making sure. I think my favorite moment while you were gone was uh, long days, getting the kids four different places and trying to get some work done, and uh, by 10.30 p.m. every night, things were pretty much under control, and I could hit the hay, and I did that one night, and um, in the middle of the night, I sensed a presence hovering over me. I just had a physical reaction in deepest REM sleep that, that somebody or something was in my bedroom. The door had been closed to keep the dog in because when the dog leaves the room at night, she she goes, looks out the window and starts howling at uh, monarch butterflies and things. So, so I know some something, some presence, some being had entered the room in the middle of the night and was now near me. So at least I have that instinct. So I opened my eyes and there was a figure looming over me, and I'm later told that I was yelling. Who are you? Who are you? Who told you that? Well, we'll get to that. So, uh, <laughs> I, I see, I see a, a creature just with just sort of a, a mane of hair and and a glowing face, uh, a, like a figure out of out of Stephen King. The glow, it turns out, is from a laptop screen, and the mane belongs to our eldest daughter, who is hovering above me. I look at my phone later, it's 12.07 a.m., and she is saying, 
Who is our insurance carrier? Who is our insurance carrier? She's holding a laptop. That's the source of the glow. And she's trying to register herself in the middle of the night for a COVID vaccine. So I told her who our insurance carrier was. I registered my displeasure with being woken up in the middle of the night, or after midnight anyway. And she left and I stayed wide awake for the next couple of hours. The next morning I was probably a little cranky. And she said to me, I know I shouldn't have woken you after midnight, but you didn't have to yell at me either. And I said to her, the reason I was yelling at you is because I thought you were going to stab me. <laughs> I didn't know who you were, which is why I was saying, who are you? And in hindsight, it's interesting that when you're completely vulnerable and assume you're about to be murdered, that the first thing you would say, meaning I would say is, who are you? At least have the decency of introducing yourself, right. my good sir, if you're about to strangle me in my bed. It, well, yes. But our daughter earlier that day, or I guess if it was after midnight the previous day, she her age group became eligible in Connecticut to register for a vaccine. So she had been trying all day to register. I had been trying. I tried several times. Yeah, I had been trying. You know, I'm watching practices even on Zooms. I'm trying to register her. So she had said... I think they refreshed the inventory at midnight. So she had asked me, she's like, that'll be 11 o'clock in Texas. Can you get on then? She said, in case I'm asleep. And I said, yeah. And I actually think I had sent her a screenshot of, or a picture of our insurance card. So I'm on at like 10.59 local. All the all the appointments are booked. Goes to 11 where I am. And all of a sudden, there's appointments available. So I frantically start signing her up for an appointment, put in the information, the insurance card. I'm, I'm just certain that at some point it's going to say, oh, sorry, just kidding. I'm able to get her an appointment. So I take a screenshot. I text it. There's a group text. I text it to you and her. I got it. I got it. And right at that time, she sends me a picture of her in front of her laptop smiling. She had also gotten herself an appointment for the same day at the same place, separated by six hours or something. So while, of course, it must have been a little bit unsettling to have a figure over you, you also, didn't you know that at midnight she was going to be trying to get a vaccine? Like, wasn't no. there any part of your brain that remembered? It, it wasn't the first day. It was the second day. It was the second midnight. And, and no, I didn't. I was asleep. But what I was going to ask you, uh, connected to this point, is when the night that you and I met at the Dublin house on West 79th Street, in Manhattan, and I don't remember which of us left that bar first, but let's say it was me. Mm -hmm. Did any part of you think I'm going to stick around because I think they refresh the inventory at midnight here? <laughs> <laughs> and don't you wish you had? Oh, don't I wish I had. Well, now should we talk about the women's tournament? Now that we've gotten the important things the out important of the way. The important things out of the way. What a great, I mean, the Sweet 16 on was phenomenal. It was really fun to see teams playing in person again. You forget some of the things that, um, you know, you don't notice when you're calling games off the monitor. I mean, it's not just the size of, of the women and, 
you know, it's little things like, wow, that guard has, point guard has really big hands. No wonder she can handle the ball so well and pass so well or, or whatever it is. And um, as, as you're seeing, the, you know, these women going up and down the court, um, even if it's just at practice. But we had great games. We had more upsets than I can remember in, uh, in, in the earlier rounds. It was a huge upset for two-seed Maryland to lose to Texas. It was an upset for NC State to lose. Um, we got to do the Baylor-UConn game, which was one of the best games of the tournament. It was interesting because both coaches before the game basically said this is the national championship game, like that Baylor should have never been a number two seed, and if they were number two seed, should never have been in UConn's region, who, the UConn who was the number two overall number one seed. Um, super physical game, super physical game, and I know a lot of people have seen the, the very end of that game where... Um, where Dejanae Carrington got fouled on the shot, and she did get fouled, um, and they didn't call it. But you have to throw in this but. If you watch the entire game, that there was a lot of that kind of physicality. I know you love that word, that kind of physicality all game long that didn't go, didn't get called. Um, and then you know this this incredible Final Four where Stanford wins by one. Um, when South Carolina has two chances to hit a shot with the time running down and doesn't, and then Stanford wins by one again the national championship against Arizona when um, a shot by Ari McDonald is probably, what, two inches long and bounces off the back rim. But And before that, the Arizona-UConn game. Yeah, and the Arizona-UConn game, uh, which was which was great. So, uh, you know, and Ari McDonald, who's the guard for Arizona, um, who – you know, scores a lot of points, has not always been the most efficient shooter, and then come the tournament, she was shooting 50% or and just under 50% from three, where she typically shoots like 30% and just went crazy. She's a really talented player, but her shot was falling. Um, and is she 5'6"? Yeah, well, they say she's 5'6". Yeah, she's about 5'6". Uh, ridiculously fast and quick and explosive what, what, and all those things. When but, you say that, you, you've honed over the years your sense of how tall somebody actually yes. is. Rebecca, for those of you who have not seen her in person, has one of those Seven uh, Eleven convenience store uh, yardstick stickers that runs say? the length of her body. Right. So if she sidles up to anybody, she can see exactly how tall they are. We couldn't saddle up to anybody though because uh, sidle, sidle. I would certainly hope you couldn't saddle. Yeah, up that to wouldn't be good. Um, we had to stay 15, 15 feet away. So even if coaches came over to talk to us, they stayed fifteen feet away. And like would talk loudly. Well, that's why Jim Nance was shouting questions at yeah. at Scott Drew, the the winning Baylor coach in the men's game last night from 15 feet away, and Drew couldn't hear him. Which is absurd. Like they should have just done what we did, which was one, interview the player, and players. But Holly Rowe was across the court, but they put headsets on, so that was the one thing. And CBS, did they ever interview a player or just interview I, the they coach? May, not in the first. 15 minutes of postgame like that I was watching, I don't it, think they have. Like, like, let these kids shine. I and mean, we also interviewed Tara Vanderveer, but that, you know, Holly interviews Keanu Williams. She interviews Haley Jones. Let the players have their shine. But, um, for example, like, there's a really good freshman for Stanford named Cameron Brink, and she's listed as 6'4". I think she's, she's definitely taller than, taller than that. She yeah. looks taller than yeah, that. Yeah, she and But if I had been able to have a conversation like in a, a non-COVID year, I would be able to tell you exactly how tall she was because I could be, you know, two feet away from her standing. But um, but it was it was a great tournament. And, and I have to say, every, every time UConn loses, one of the concerns when you're covering the game is uh, ratings and viewership because UConn always, during a regular season, they're the highest rated games. They just are. They, they have more fans that watch. 
And, um, and so that was like when UConn lost, um, one of the things you think is, okay, well, you know, what, what will the championship game look like? And um, great. We, we, the championship uh, we, game ratings. The rating, ratings, yes, the ratings. We found out today, great ratings. So it's great. Women's basketball is growing. Um, you Peaked know. at 5 million viewers, right? Yeah. It averaged over 5 million uh, or o- over 4 million. It averaged like a half a million more than the previous championship game in 2019. So um, anyway, it's a, it's the games were great. The stories were great. Hopefully our coverage did it justice. And um and it's funny because we were, you know, we were in San Antonio. The weather was decent, but the only time we got to be outside is we would walk some days if it wasn't raining from our hotel to the arena, which was about a 15-minute walk. But we'd either be in the arena all day or we'd be in our hotel doing Zooms or watching film or whatever. So um, there was a lot of that, but it was it was nice to at least be around other, other humans. Including... Uh- cardboard cutouts of your own children that's right yeah they they did a promotion where uh you know you could buy a cardboard cutout to put it in the stands and um the the proceeds would go to a a couple worthy causes pat summit foundation i believe the kao cancer fund and uh so yeah so i got pictures of each of our kids although i have to tell you this so they were in the stands from like the elite eight on one of the games, and it was a UConn game, it might have been UConn, Arizona, I look up and I see two of our kids. And I'm like, where are the other two kids? And now there's like people also like interspersed between the cardboard cutouts. Then I see this like a top of a Santa hat. And one of the pictures that we sent in that I used was of our youngest in a Santa hat. And somebody in the section, apparently she was blocking their view. They had taken two of our kids and smushed them down on their sides. So two of them were upright watching the game and the other two had been... Supine? supine yeah how dare they i was a little bit annoyed even though i'm like why am i annoyed it's just cardboard it's annoying <laughs> it's uh, annoying as 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 uh parents uh, stereotypical american parents in 2021 you should have gone up there and said i demand that you put my two-dimensional daughter's cardboard cutout back there and let her santa hat block your view of right, the game right exactly which how is dare much you. what was happening and you know what? Like, it's only been slightly over a year since I traveled, you know, from the, my last trip to when I went to San Antonio. And I was stunned at how much has changed. Like, when when, when my dad my dad was the one who dropped me off at the airport, we're pulling up, and there's this brand new, enormous parking garage that hadn't been there before. I think they're may- maybe moving the rental cars to it, but a huge parking garage. Of course, a year. A lot can happen. Construction, rental car thing up. I, I got uh, up. There's a whole new array of restaurants at Bradley? No, there's oh. not that. Get up to um, go through, um, you know, show my ticket or my boarding pass on my phone. They don't need that anymore. You just stick your license in a little thing and it reads your license. You don't need to show your boarding pass. It's like, all right, so I did that. And then I, when I went to use the restroom, the restrooms had been redone, looked nice, and there was all new stick figures illustrating if you're in a men's room or women's room and like different shaped stick stick figures you know what i'm talking about so it's not like they just put up new figurines was was it easy to tell which was which it it was only because the woman still has a like a flared triangular dress yeah triangular dress but the men and man and the woman um both have one fat leg one fat leg? Yeah, instead of like, you don't see two legs coming down. You see one fat leg in a triangular dress. And I think the guy's is one fat leg in 
not a dress. It's, but it's, it was definitely different. It's not always possible to tell when you're at like a seafood restaurant and the bathrooms are buoys and gulls, right. that kind of thing. Right. As much as I appreciate that, sometimes yeah. you do have to guess. You s- sometimes you, you, you miss the, the triangular dress. And then when I was on the plane, I needed to turn on the light, uh, my overhead light, and I couldn't find it. It's only been a year. I'm like scanning. It was completely dark. And so I'm trying to use the light on my phone. And I'm like, first time I touched it, it was the flight attendant call button. Eventually I found it. But um, I was like, wow, a lot has changed in a year. Like I sort of felt like an old older person who hasn't flown in a really long time and you're, doesn't you're, know any of the you rules. You were fearful and you didn't, you're confused. That's like when I got, I hadn't been in an office building in a while. And I went into, I think, Sports Illustrated's offices in New York, and there was no buttons to press on the elevator. I got off the elevator, and I looked like, well, am I on the elevator that just goes to one floor, or what's so the deal? So what was it? it it's like you, you scan you your... T- be, well, before you, before you get in, you have to, like, put... Because I've stayed in hotels where you have to punch in the number right. of the floor um, before you even get on. Yeah, it, it's, it's a little odd. But you can see how... Uh, the older you get, the more frightened and confused you would be by Without changing question. technology. Without question. I'm still using a rotary dial phone. Right. Um, speaking of frightening technology, uh, there's a lot of viewer mail here. And I have to run our daughter to tennis practice, and you have to... Get on a doing? call, prepare. The WMBA draft people, is, is next week, so I'm already preparing for that. People keep saying to me, it must be, it's going to be so much easier when Rebecca gets home, right? And honestly, I mean, while it's a pleasure to have you here, and um, we much prefer you here than not, it's just, it makes it easier for our neighbors who no longer have to drive our kids various places right. because I was still driving everywhere at all times that I could, but when our other kids needed to be other places at the same time and I couldn't, their teammates, parents, or friends of ours or your dad was was driving them. So it it doesn't lessen my load so much as lessens the loads of all of the uh, all of the friends, family, and strangers yeah. who have uh, who have done our our bidding. Yes. Or as your sister said to me at one point in the past week, yeah, I, I was saying uh, she was saying to her husband that I, I feel bad for Steve, although. He did have four kids. <laughs> like, you know. what does he want? There's a, there's a, that's a valid point. Since you mentioned that, I'm going to throw this in there. How about a, we did we did this story on air? But how do Adia Barnes, the head coach for in, uh, for Arizona, playing for the national championship, 20 minutes before the game, when her team would be out doing warmups, she would be pumping breast milk because she has, I think, a six-month-old infant, um, and championship game she came out at halftime a little later because she was either nursing that same child or pumping and she was saying um she she posted on her instagram one night this might have been before the the uh semifinal game 5 a.m the baby um got her up because she had had a blowout in her diaper and you remember those days like they'd blow it out it would get on the sheets it got on her she's like up at 4 a.m. with a blowout, 5 a.m. another blowout, 5.30, we're both in the shower getting cleaned off. Like, how about that? And she's coaching in the national championship game and still, as she said to us, she said, nursing is my seventh job. I mean, that—that that is uh, if the sports story of the year. And, and if it were me, 
just as a man with the diaper blowouts in the in those early baby years i would have been flipping much more than double birds on right. camera right. um i think that was a model of restraint on her part and it was funny because when when adia was telling us about you know pumping and nursing and all these things my producer said to me she's like rebecca do you remember about 10 years ago we had just done a game in Waco at Baylor. She said, you were sidelined. Doris Burke was the analyst. She said, after the game, late at night, we're driving to Dallas because we're going to stay in the hotel in Dallas and the next morning take a flight out of Dallas. And she said, on the ride, you were in the back seat pumping because you had an infant at home. She said, and along the way, we had to stop at a gas station and buy ice to put in the cooler because the ice packs um, were no longer cold. She's like... And this is before she now has two kids, but this is before she did. And um, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I had completely forgotten about that until you just reminded me. And, um, yeah, credit well, credit those I, working moms because... I, I think a lot of those <laughs> memories are self-erasing because if you remembered them, you know, you wouldn't perpetuate the species. Yeah, no, um, it's, it's true. And, and I said, and we were having... Oh, I'm not doing that again. Right. With another woman on our crew, we were talking about it. And somehow the conversation led to like the worst bathrooms you've ever pumped in. And, um, and I was like, oh, that's easy. LaGuardia. I don't remember where I was flying, but it was like when LaGuardia was under construction and I'm in like a restroom <laughs> at LaGuardia um, trying to you know, get breast milk that I'm going to eventually bring home to one of our infants. And um, anyway, God bless Adia Barnes, because um, she kind of showed everyone, you know, what a, a super mom um, who was one, maybe two inches away from a national championship looks like. Most of these viewer mails can hold to next week. Let, next week, let's do an all viewer mail blow I think up. that's a great idea. We'll, do, yeah. we'll, we'll, uh, we'll devote the entire thing to viewer mail because we've got a lot of them. But, but this one... It's not going to last on ice or or otherwise, so I'm just going to ask it to you now. Hi, Rebecca, parentheses, and Steve. This comes from Chris. What were your thoughts as you watched Stanford drain the last seconds off the clock and then never getting off a shot? My wife and I are always so frustrated when a team waits to five seconds to initiate offense in those situations. Curious about your thoughts. Happy Easter, Chris. Well, th this was the last play against, I believe it's the play against uh, Arizona, and I'd seen them... Um, kind of run that set in their practice that morning they were trying to get the ball to Haley Jones and um, she was guarded and so that's a situation Keanu Williams the point guard you just gotta go and um, you know she passed it to Cameron Brink their big player who then couldn't really create a shot but uh, you know th they knew what they wanted to do they just weren't able to get it done and um, yeah that's a situation where Keanu Williams just needed to create and throw something up there. Chino didn't look thrilled uh, in the UConn Arizona game at the end of the third quarter I think it was there was a a shot UConn got UConn player got the rebound and with a couple of seconds left maybe even slightly less than a couple of seconds left and then like took one dribble held the ball and didn't throw a baseball pass towards the other basket and it looked to me like Gino was kind of gesturing at like the scoreboard and, and the clock like you know what do you have to lose by heaping it up there? So yeah, and and it's funny because in the NCAA, somebody one of our um, guys in the NBA don't like to do that because it it lowers their shooting percentage. Right. Somebody on viewer mail pointed out to us that it doesn't count against you in the NCAA, and and that was reinforced. There was a game, I think in the Sweet Sixteen, may have been Elite Eight, where um, Nalissa Smith from Baylor went um, eleven for eleven, and somebody noted at the end of I think the third quarter she threw up a shot like a 20-footer, 
and it missed, but they didn't count it because it was one of those heaves. So yeah, like might as well in NCAA throw it up because you're not going to get penalized in your field goal percentage for it. Well, this is our buzzer beater. We have to get out. Um, we'll see you, talk to you next week. I'm talking to you, Rebecca, not our, not our listeners. Right. But we see you next week. When is the WMBA draft? Thursday, the 15th of a April. Week, so we will, have an, we will have a okay. podcast next and, week. And um, that's it. So. so Denny, thank you. Tom Dick Hari, play us out. This week's podcast. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in the cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.